and welcome to the Bliss Tonic Podcast. You are here in the right place if you want to learn how to use yogic philosophy to embrace and enjoy your time as a human on planet Earth with less judgment and more authenticity. You just get to be who you are. And I am your host, Michelle Anthony, yoga educator and amateur circus performer. Let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to another week, another episode, and if I'm being completely honest, we probably had like a week and a half there, (laughs) and then we had just a couple days between episodes, so I'm making up for it. I tried to stick to this every Wednesday release date, but reality is sometimes I'm a few days late, and sometimes I miss a week, and sometimes I miss more than a week, but... I am doing my best for all of you to stay as consistent as possible. And I just want you to know that I'm really grateful for all of you listeners. And I would love to connect with you more. So if you are liking these episodes, let me know. Let me know how I can serve you better. Reach out to me um, via email or Facebook. You can like and message my business Facebook page, Blistonic Yoga and Movement Arts. I think that Movement Arts is still on there at this point. I (laughs) have changed my business name on Facebook a couple times in my years of being a professional, (laughs) I guess, yoga teacher in business. I'm in business since 2012 under the name Michelle Anthony Yoga Reiki Hoping. No, wait, that was my second name. I think my first or second name was Raja Key Yoga and Movement Arts. Anyways, it's changed a lot over the years, and I'm so grateful for that. As I've stepped into my dharma, just followed the breadcrumbs to where we are now, to this podcast. And I have to say that not only am I very, very excited to share this week's episode with you all about Vedic astrology, but I have a really amazing lineup of other guests to be on the podcast in the next couple weeks. And I just think that there are so many amazing people out there living the embodiment of the human experience and and really being epic in their teachings and the way that they share with the world and a lot of times things that I see that people are doing out in maybe the new age or spiritual realm a lot of it comes back to yoga and I just love drawing all these connections with between all of the the spiritual practices and kind of relating it back to my framework of understanding which is within yoga so I'm very excited for all of the guests that I have coming up some really amazing people and this week's episode is no exception so uh, we spent 
probably exactly 108, an hour and eight minutes, recording this episode for you. And of course, that number has been popping up for me for probably like two or three months. Like, you know, look at your phone and it's 108. Um, paused the recording on my phone and it said one hour and eight minutes. I was like, of course. <laughs> so that number has been coming up for me just as a push to restart my meditation practice. So if you follow me on Instagram, I recently made a post about just getting yourself to the meditation cushion and lowering expectations it just to get yourself there. Um, I recently started a new teacher training and there is a practice requirement that seems like long. It's not even that long, but you turn in these quarterly reports and it just was like, ugh, when do I start? I'll start next week. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, what if I don't do the whole time and I just do a little? And then I started my practice. I was like, well, I have to finish my practice. Like it wasn't even about the time. Once I got there, it just started to, to transform into, well, this has to come next. And then I have like a couple more things in my mind that I need to do. And Really, I just, I love my personal practice so much and I'm so grateful to be back at it. It really helps keep me grounded and keep me on my path. So if that's something that you're looking for guidance on to, I'm here, I'm with you, I've done it, I've lost it, I'm back on the train, we're all doing this together. And I definitely will be having probably an episode in the next couple weeks sharing a little bit more about that and how to start your own practice. Okay, enough about all of that. Should we get into this week's episode? I just want to say Missy is so amazing and careful with her words and I just am very inspired by her and uh, just this this art form, the science of Vedic astrology. It's something that when she first explained it to me a while ago, um, it was like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. And my main question or concern was, well, how is it different than Western astrology? And so that's something that we cover in today's episode is what makes it different um but it truly is some it's a whole system in its own right and um you get to hear a little bit about the difference in my western and vedic chart personally and it's so dead on and it really hits home in a lot of ways because truth be told i Maybe I am a Virgo, maybe I'm not, but I always, maybe I'm a Virgo because I'm too hard on myself and I feel like I'm not a perfectionist, but I don't know. <laughs> That's a inquiry for another time. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's hit it. Let's go.
Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bliss Tonic Podcast. Today I have a very special guest with me, friend and student of life and the stars, Missy Schirkenbach. Welcome, Missy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yay. So what are we going to talk about today, Missy? Yes, ma'am. Well, we will be talking about Vedic astrology, a little bit of life, a little bit of, of herstory, and a little bit of woo, I think. Yes, that's how we like it. <laughs> okay, so Missy, we met in high school, knew each other briefly, and we both ended up moving back to Eau Claire in 2012, and a mutual friend, I don't even know who it was, was it Kyle Piper? I think it might have been Britta. Britta? Okay. A mutual friend uh, got us back together and like, hey, you guys are both into yoga now. You should probably be friends. And yeah, the rest is herstory, which I'm going to say all the time now. I don't know why. Um, So Missy, why don't you just give us um, a little bit of a rundown of what it is that you do um, and all of the titles that you um, would like to share and feel appropriate. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yes. So I am uh, currently paying my bills uh, through being a mental health software consultant, which is a really satisfying field that I'm able to bring like my tech background with some mental health um, passion, which honestly, all of the all of the woo fields that I'm a part of um, the spiritual fields, they they are all working toward mental health as well. And so my life, my life purpose, my life existence is about um, helping people with their mental health. I'm also a yoga teacher, a Reiki master, and currently studying uh, Vedic astrology, Jyotish, which I will explain later. Um, And just really quick before we go into things, a quick PSA um, or disclaimer rather, I... I, I come to these practices of spirituality um, from a Western perspective, a Western culture, um, and I'm very aware, like with the Reiki and the yoga, that these are practices and spiritual spiritual practices that are from cultures that are not my own, um, and, and I hope to approach them in a place of reverence, um, curiosity, and like working toward understanding from my own brain and my own experiences. Um, and I know this will be a lifelong process. And um, if there's anything that I say today or ever that is, you know, offensive or inappropriate, like I'm always open and willing to learn um, and very, very grateful for what these spiritual practices have brought me and and will continue to try to serve them to their highest, um, for the highest good of, you know, the planet and um, and all of the people on it. Yay, what a beautiful little prayer PSA. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, and that's something, too, that I feel really strongly about is honoring the culture and background that these practices and spiritual understandings come from originally and not appropriating and misappropriating, um, taking with, and if you are new to this concept of appropriation, it's where we take one piece of another culture and just run with it, maybe make it our own, right, and, and don't honor, like you said, with reverence where it came from originally. And so the best that we can do is to continue following this past with curiosity and reverence and always be willing to do better. Like we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to know everything at all. Um, And that's not, I don't want to discourage anybody from studying or practicing or teaching these things, but it is all about just honoring and where they came from and resolving to just always do better and listen to um, the people whose culture this came from. Yes, absolutely. Yay. So why don't you um, just dive in a little bit. Tell us um, a little bit maybe about how you found Vedic astrology and what got you to just go so deeply into it. Something that I love is just watching you and your studies and kind of, I love following your like online trainings that you're doing and going to conferences. And like when she's saying like, (laughs) she's like a student of it, like she really is like diving deep into the study of it and seeking teachers who know what they're talking about. Not just like, I found this thing online and now I'm giving readings, you know? Um, you're really doing the due diligence of um, studying from people who know what they're talking about. Mm, I so appreciate uh, feeling seen. Yes. <laughs> I feel seen by that, so thank you. Yes. And that's something, too, that I think is really important when we're talking about the practice of yoga and Vedic astrology truly being a part of that. And it's, it is a part of Tantra and using astrology, anything that... Um, any tool that brings us to maybe our highest self to better ourselves can be considered a tool of Tantra. And so, and and definitely Vedic astrology is something that's coupled with that. And traditionally that was passed down from teacher to student. And so really a lot you hear this disclaimer all the time studying Tantra is this must be learned from a qualified teacher. And so just putting that out there that this is something that she's actively seeking counsel in constantly. So, yes, I appreciate that. And, and I'm not, you know, I don't know too much about Tantra and, and can't speak to the relationship of that to Vedic astrology, but I, do I hear I do agree with what you're saying with the sort of this uh, oral history, the passing down and the lineage from one human to another versus uh, sort of learning en masse, which I have done both with Vedic astrology. I have consumed content that is in that was made from a one to many uh, perspective. And then I've also, you know, I'm working uh, with a curriculum right now that was curated um, from a teacher that I, who I trust and has done his research, um, which I will get to, I'm sure at some point in this, in this chat, but in terms of a quick overall, you know, if we zoom out a little bit, like what is Vedic astrology? So 
I'm sure we're all familiar with the concept of astrology. So you you probably grew up, um, unless you're already familiar with the, the Vedic teachings of astrology, um, you probably grew up, or at least I grew up, and you grew up, Michelle, I'm sure, reading Cosmo and checking out, you know, what was your sun sign? What did what was going to happen to you in July? Usually had to do with like a crush or like your love yes. life or, um, you know, some big awesome thing was going to happen to you because you were a Virgo or for me, a Leo. Um, and it didn't, you know, I, I loved that stuff as a kid. Like I loved that stuff. I loved it growing up um, through my teenage years. And but it. I would, you know, looking back, I'm like, well, did that really resonate or, or, or not? And, and I don't know. I suppose it did at the time. And that's the thing, you know, if it resonates with you, no matter what you're um, looking at, whether it's a Western horoscope or a Vedic horoscope or something of the sort, it's resonating with you for a reason. So I'll just leave that there. Um, Vedic astrology came from India, right? Um, so when you like okay where do I even start with this um it's old (laughs) it's old and uh like yoga I'm sure like tantra again don't know too much about tantra um vedic astrology came from the the vedas um so there many many years ago like 2000 or so years ago again I'm not a historian I'm not um studying Vedic history yet. I'm such a nerd and I feel like that's sort of where I'm headed. But as of this moment, um, this is just sort of the knowledge that I've assembled uh, based on my own um, see- seeking and searching. But so Vedic astrology, so, so actually just do your, own, do your own research, but this is a, a place to start. So Vedic astrology, like yoga, like Ayurveda, like um, Vatsu, which is sort of like the feng shui of the Vedic culture, um, so how to design your house to to elevate and make the energies more cohesive for your living situation in life. Um, and palmistry, uh, alongside all of those, was the science of astrology from the Vedic culture. And so, of course, they didn't call it Vedic astrology back then. They It's called Jyotish. And so Jyotish is, literally translated means... Um, the study of light. And so as humans, we l- sort of live in darkness. We live in ignorance um, and I- aka suffering, right? Um, and and I've heard the, you know, the difference between what we're living in, the the existence that we're living in, what we can comprehend as humans, and that divine light, that difference is suffering. And so uh, Jyotish, Vedic astrology, aims to shine a light on your life based on your individual karma, based on the time that you were born and the exact planetary arrangement of when you were born to to help shine light on your individual karmas. So your suffering, your mental patterns in your brain um, that are holding you back from essentially divinity. Um, and when I say divinity, I mean the concept that we are all actually connected, this unity consciousness connection. Um, and so our birth chart, that that thumbprint of what happened at the moment that we were born is a map of the inside of your brain and essentially your habits and your, you know, samskaras as 
um, as we say, you know, in the Vedic teachings, so sort of those mental patterns that happen over and over again, um, where you find yourself being like this again, you know, or, um, you know, certain events that happen that just throw you totally off course. Um, these are the, these are represented in your birth chart through the planetary placement. Um, and, and when I say planetary placement, it comes from this idea that all of the planets have this divine energy that is neither good nor bad. Um, it is, it, it is divine. And so, for example, um, where Mars is in your birth chart uh, represents, you know, how you deal with taking action. Um, and that's all it is. And so the highest expression of Mars would be to take the right action all the time and not think about it. Um, the lowest expression of Mars, it would be to continually be taking uh, the wrong action instinctually and just uh, letting your instincts get the best of you versus um, having trained yourself to uh, exert restraint in the appropriate situations and then act in the appropriate situations. Um, and so these, these expressions of the planet's as they're shown in your birth chart, um, give us a way to in this full circle, shine the light on your human experience. And I see Vedic astrology as a tool to help counsel people through what is what can be very, very challenging, very hard um, life things uh, that we we're all experiencing, and sort of showing people the highest version of their path um, in this life. And I'm going to stop there because I'm not sure that I, I don't even remember what you asked, Michelle. Oh my gosh, I love it. That's how it should be. Like, I don't know, we're just naturally progressing. And I have, yeah, a couple of things that are really hitting home with me is when you explained a, a defined as light it makes me think of Tantra, and Tantra is saying that the entire universe is composed of both light and sound, and that that being this aspect of understanding the from the the what is manifest and what is consciousness, mm. and also from this tradition of Tantra, and this is kind of in a way the entire understanding, I, in my opinion, of. Um, astrology comes from this basis that whatever is within you is without you. So it's the microcosm and the macrocosm. And it is basically this belief in Tantra that anything that is within us is demonstrated externally. Both, and so whatever is in the body is in the universe and vice versa. Whatever is in the universe is within us. And this is kind of how we get that understanding of what is within and what is without being mirrors for each other. And so I absolutely think that that's an important component of understanding astrology, specifically thinking about the moment we were born and what is within us is what is without us at that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it does. And I, I, when you were speaking of that, the the planets themselves um, correlate to different chakras, different energy centers in the body. So it, yeah, we are literally an expression of the universe. Each one of us is a living expression of the planets. Um, and so what, yeah, as within, so without. Absolutely. Yes. 
So um, I would love, and this is a question that I got preparing for this episode, and I don't necessarily want to spend time contrasting Western and Vedic astrology, Mm -hmm. but it is a question that I get a lot, and you explained it to me really well in the past, basically speaking about um, the difference in degree and why that is, and then speak to um, maybe the um, element of how much more detail there is in regards to the nakshatras and how that can give you a little more information about everybody who's a Virgo but has a different nakshatra and and the kind of information that you gather from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this might be a good time to go into how I came across Vedic astrology because I think that there's so much information out there um, and we just went really deep, really fast. Uh, by the way, I don't, I don't know who your, um, who your audience is, but, um, but we're we're here and we're we're making this happen. So I think that it might make sense to to zoom out a little bit and not not necessarily zoom out, actually zoom in. Um, and I can talk about my story about how I found Vedic astrology and the um, the difference to your question about Western and Vedic. Um, the the different zodiacs that are used and give give your listeners a, a better idea of you know how they might decide what zodiac to pursue um, or at least be more informed about with if you're getting a Western reading where that information is coming from um, versus a Vedic reading where that information is coming from so um, so the main difference between Western and Vedic um, so, okay, actually, let me, how should I start this? I think, so, so I got, um, I'm going to start with my story. So I, yes. is that cool? Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Go into it. Okay, cool. Um, so I got a, a reading, a Vedic reading and slash my first ever astrology reading, um, in Denver, Colorado in, I don't know, a few years, like three or four or five years ago, um, at Tibet Imports from a wonderful lady named Sarita. Shout out to Sarita uh, in Denver. If you're there, definitely check her out. Um, And I didn't, you know, I had been a yogi and had studied yoga, um, done the 200-hour certification, and was really inspired by um, all the Vedic philosophy that I was exposed to. And I had, you know, since taught yoga um, but I wasn't really actively practicing it. My, my practice was sort of at a standstill. Um, I was going through a lot of personal things and had abandoned all practices that kept me on my spiritual path sane. Um, and I walked into Tibet Imports with my friend Sonia, and we, um, we got the readings. And at the time, I, well, again, reminder, I did not realize that um, it was a Vedic reading. I, I didn't, didn't know there were multiple uh, types of astrology. Um, and it resonated to an extent, but again, at the time my mind was really consumed. It wasn't consumed with a big picture. It was consumed with getting through the day to day. I was in, um, I was working, you know, in a, at a tech startup, uh, high stress, not really connected to my own spirituality, my own growth, the big picture. It was very much, how am I going to get through the next day, the next week? Um, and, Fast forward about six months. In that six months, um, I separated from my husband. I um, quit drinking. I lost my job. 
um, I was really, it was like the universe was like, okay, you need a wake up call. It was sort of like a, a bitch lap from the universe, just being like, hey, what are you doing with your life? Um, are you really showing up how you're supposed to show up? And of course, at the time, it didn't feel like that. It was more like, oh, and and honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't, it didn't even feel like that much. I was just like, this is just my life. Stuff like this happens all the time. Um, so I listened to this astrology reading that I got um, after all this happens. And just, it just sort of popped up on my phone out of nowhere. And like, I had forgot that I'd recorded it. So I press play and I listened to it. And it was like the heavens opened up or it was, you know, they'll just like, like everything that she said. And it was a tiny, tiny reading, right? It was probably like nine to 10 minutes long. You know, usually readings are like 90 minutes, you know, or that's the readings I give are 90 minutes. Um, And I was like, what, you know, what is going on here? And I, and at that point, um, you know, in the reading, she mentions, you know, this is a Vedic reading. And so I get on the computer and I Google, you know, Vedic astrology and, and Vedic reading. Like, what is this? Um, the next day I went to a meetup. Um, I was in an online business school or an online entrepreneur program. Um, and there was a local meetup in Denver. I ended up connecting with, lo and behold, a Vedic astrologer who was sitting next to me. Naturally. And, and I was like, are you sure you're a Vedic astrologer? Like, is this real? Is this really happening? I just had a, a experience last night and I really, I need to talk to you. So I book a reading with her, <laughs> which was a 90 minute reading. Um, shout out to Tammy Buckner, who's a phenomenal Vedic astrologer. And um, I don't know if she knows it, but it's like a very big part of my my path here. Um, so I book this reading with her. She she does the reading and it's it's wonderful. It's resonant. I feel like shook to my core about how on point everything was, the good, the bad, the ugly. And, um, but honestly, she didn't, it wasn't like damning by any means. It was very um, helpful and insightful, Um, but it was real, you know, it wasn't, you know, necessarily what I wanted to hear because at the time I was trying to start this business and I wanted to hear like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna kick it out of the water and, and here's exactly what you need to do. But it was resonant for my entire uh life and my my patterns and such and so I talk with Tammy um get the reading and then I okay here I am so unemployed (laughs) trying to start my own business to help serve people from this mental health perspective um and I end up spending an embarrassing amount of time um every single day really researching uh, and diving into Vedic astrology. So like earlier in the podcast, you're like, well, you didn't, you know, just watch some YouTube videos and start giving readings. Well, I actually did. <laughs> like I did do all that. Right, all right. Um, I did because it wasn't necessarily like I'm going to make this my profession now. But as you start, as I started diving into this, it was like, how how can I not talk to everybody I know about this? You know, I think I talked to you, I called you and I was like, Hey, what's, give me your birth data. Like I need, we need to talk. Um, (laughs) yeah, I think that's something that happens anytime you're learning, like, and especially if we have this like complex of being the teacher, which Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us yoga teachers have, and like, we're in a yoga training and we're like, Oh my God, I have to tell somebody about this. So I think that a hundred percent, I get that. Yes. Um, and 
and I'm doing all this online research. Okay, and so here at this very long-winded um, juncture of where the heck Western comes in. So I realize as I'm Googling like all of my planets and all the houses that there are like that there's two zodiacs. <laughs> and so um, and so at that point, it's like that's when I had to really figure out what the heck Vedic astrology was um, why it was different than Western and what I wanted to do about that for my own learning. So, um, so fast, so fast forward, you know, a couple of years and I'm, I'm definitely of the Vedic, like I'm, I'm following the Vedic school of thought. I'm learning from a Vedic teacher and, and really confident about that. Um, so that's about, you know, that's a, a couple of years of sort of parsing out this information on my own before really committing to a Vedic teacher. So the difference between the Western and the Vedic. Um, so a good, a long, long time ago, the, the Rishis, the seers, the ancient seers of India, sort of, um, it was an enlightened age and they channeled this information, the yoga, the Ayurveda, the, um, the Vatsu, the palmistry, Sanskrit, that oral oral um, language that um, essentially uh, it, it was like the wisdom of the universe. And then we trans we transitioned into um, a you know a hot minute to two thousand years or so of like the dark ages and and we are on our way out of that right now. Um, but thankfully, you know, a lot of this information was contained and written down. Um, at some point there, it wasn't exactly when it was channeled. It was, you know, as these traditions were being handed off generation after generation, the seers, the people studying these, these arts and sciences, they saw that there was this dark age coming They're like, we better write this down. Um, and so they write it down and, it, you know, in thinking about India, like the British rule happened there. And so these these ancient teachings, thankfully, were preserved in little pockets. Um, same with yoga, same with, I'm sure, tantra, too. And, um, it, yeah, all of the, the Vedic arts. But they were also sort of bastardized, from what I understand, in India because of the British rule. It was like how, I mean, people took astrology and um, and really, like, sort of tried to, you know, they, they monetize it in interesting ways. That was, it was sort of like how in Christianity during the middle ages, you know, you had people selling, um, like pardons for your sins on the streets of Rome. And it was like tour crazy tourism and just sort of a racket. Um, and so, you know, that's why I think we don't see Vedic astrology as, as this like immortal science that it is like, because I think if people understood how powerful this was and how really truly resident it was for the ways of the universe, like everybody would be learning it and we would have known this as, as children. Um, and another <laughs> long winded circle, we're getting to it. I promise. Well, so. Everything you're saying is like, Oh, that's Tantra. Everything oh, you're saying is like that in, in India, there's like a negative connotation to like Tantra because it is 
very powerful practices, but it can be utilized. Like, I mean, so if you even read the Yoga Sutras, it talks about the cities of being able to um, control and influence another person's mind. And so it has all of these negative connotations because of the power and effect that these practices have in order for us to change from the internal, we're changing the external. And so and this is why um, a lot of tantric masters kind of act in really interesting and unique ways, almost as a way to like separate. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah. That you're bringing this up and I'm just like, yes, this is everything that I studied too, but, and it's just all a part of it. So. Yeah. And I, and I think with all of these divine sciences, it's, you were all human, right? And so human, humanness, you, you know, gets in the way of divinity real quick and with, with anybody. And I think, you know, part of the understanding of Jyotish Vedic astrology is that we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And, and part of this is seeing, um, you know, these people in power, whether they're, you know, gurus, you know, tantra masters, astrologers, whatnot, really sort of um, mess up because we're human or, you know, power gets exploited. And, um, and even through all of this to have grace for that, because it's not the science to blame, it's humans, you know, and that's part of our path. Like, there are a few, you know, incarnated saints living among us right now. Um, and India is really good at producing them. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like how the United States is good at um, educating people and giving them degrees. It's like India is really good at producing enlightened beings um, and and passing that knowledge down. But you, you can't, for most of us, the mortals on this earth, um, we're just doing our best with these sciences to to get through this life. And as long as we're attached to the suffering, um, we're, we're going to keep misusing uh, these sciences. And with myself included, it's like, how do I approach this from a place where uh, of reverence, like we were saying at the beginning? Um, anyway, you can tell this is on my mind because <laughs> I've brought mm-hmm. this up a couple times. But um, but um, I want to get back to this Western thing. So yes, um Okay, so since, you know, day one, India, which is like the British colonization name of that country. Um, so I just want to throw that out too, you know, of this of this continent that is, or sorry, country that is currently known as India. Um, people were watching the stars, noting what was happening, and then noting the patterns um, and the energies that were, were shifting. And so we have the... Um, the moon, which takes, you know, about 28 days to, to complete a full cycle, new moon to new moon. And the, the ancient seers, the Rishis tracked the moon and across this belt of stars that they divided up into 27 different, um, equal portions. And those portions are called nakshatras. And so the nakshatras are portions of the sky that, um, that then fit within the 12 solar months. And so the the moon does this 28-day rotation, um, you know, 12 times a year. And so as um, 
Yes. Am I saying this right? Yes. Um, and so the sun, um, so we've got the nakshatras, the soul or the uh, the lunar calendar, the transit of the moon through the nakshatras. And then on top of that, we have um, the sun moving um, the, the solar houses and the location of the sun that moves through these 12 houses uh, 12 times a year. Um, and so that is where we have the, the like the signs that you're probably familiar with from the Western approach, like the Leo, the Virgo. Um, the sun is moving through those houses, and then it is divided even more so up into these 27 uh, nakshatras. So there's about 2.5 uh, nakshatras within the, um, the zodiac. So 2.5 nakshatras per sign like within Leo, it's divided up into two point, there's 2.5 nakshatras. Okay. I'm not going to say that anymore. Yes. Love <laughs> yeah, it. Yes. Um, and then when, okay, so there's a sidereal zodiac and the tropical zodiac. The sidereal zodiac um, is the one that is used in what I call Vedic astrology, what, what is known as Vedic astrology. Um, and it means with the stars. And so if you look up in the sky right now today, um, you will see that the moon is in the, the constellation of Libra. Like, that's where it is. If you have, like, a Starwalk app, you get it out, you look at it, it's in Libra. Um, and so if you were to take that same, the same moon um, and ask a Western astrologer, they would say, well, it is currently in the sign um, of Virgo. And the reason for that is because, from my understanding, when this was all written down in, um, okay, so there was a, um, an astrologer, a Western astrologer, I think he was Greek, um, in about 290 CE, Common Era, um, and he wrote a book, and at this time, the zero degree point of Aries, um, the, the, the spring equinox fell at zero degrees Aries. Um, which is also, you know, the first day of spring. Like that was the first day of spring. That's the equinox point. Um, and and so the that text has they it is it appears to have informed Western astrology like to this day. So so Western astrologers say spring and the equinox March twenty first. Boom, where that is zero degrees Aries. But in reality. Um, the equinox, it moves one degree backwards every 72 years. So from 290 uh, CE to now, like if we look up in the sky, March 21st, the, the equinox, it's actually like the, um, it's happening in the sign of Pisces. And so with the Vedic framework, that they they're saying well if the as the stars you know as the planets coalesce the stars like that's what we're going to measure like what's happening in the sky right now versus the western approach which is saying we're going to base this framework on these calculations um that that were bestowed to us from this astrologer handed down um keeping it with the tropical equinox. And so that's where we get tropical astrology, which is, you know, that that's the zodiac most of the time used in Western astrology. 
And then the sidereal zodiac, which is used most of the time in Vedic astrology. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So actually, and I didn't know that, that that's where this like degree in change, um, not change, but the difference between Western and Vedic astrology comes from is because the degree of the spring equinox changes back one degree every 72 years. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. That's very interesting. Okay. So how many degrees off now are the Vedic calculations and the Western calculations? They are about 23 degrees different right now. And I'll also say that that those are the, that's a difference in the zodiacs. Um, The other layer difference with Vedic versus Western is that with Vedic, you have the sort of these building blocks that relate back to the same building blocks that yoga and Ayurveda um, stem from. So all of the signs um, and all of the houses relate to the five elements, um, just like in Ayurveda, just like, um, you know, they also relate to the gunas. So gunas meaning like rajasic, tamasic, sattvic, they all, um, they have these building blocks that are, you know, truly, truly Vedic that are within this science. And so that is another thing that, you know, what Western astrology, they, they don't use that, right. They don't use the, the gunas and the, um, and I don't know if they use the elements, but they, if they do, it's probably different than the, um, than the Vedic way of using them. Yeah, from my understanding from Western, it is, yeah, like Virgo in Western. I'm a Virgo, and it's Earth. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then they, I, I'm not really sure, but yeah, definitely it is like, and I know um, Deborah Silverman is like a lot heavy, heavy focus on the elements. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one piece of it. But I love that it's, and it's an entire framework. The whole framework right. of yoga, tantra, like is, subsumed within this understanding of Vedic astrology, mm-hmm. which is cool. That yes. adds a lot of layers that like, I know like us yogis can um, gather a lot more information in a language that, you know, maybe some of us are still learning um, or integrating um, into um, our understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it's definitely helpful to know that this is a part of an entire system and they all go hand in hand. Yes, exactly. It's, it's bulletproof, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's where I, th- that framework is why I um, chose to study the Vedic way, you know, because it's, it's definitely not the most accessible in terms of popular culture because everybody's sort of like it. And especially now I feel like astrology is blowing up. Mm -hmm. Um, But just how my mind works and what, like, like I really am skeptical, you know, I'm a skeptic by nature and I've had to work through a lot of that to get into like continue on the spiritual path. But, um, but Vedic astrology, like you just keep unfolding it. And it's sort of this Occam's razor, like the simplest explanation is the truth. And I think with Vedic astrology, you can find um, a simple, logical explanation that works every time. Um, whereas Western, it was the it sort of fell apart at a certain level for me. And I'm not bashing Western. This is like my personal um, experience with it, right? Like I couldn't get past 
um, like the the logic didn't check out at a certain level. Whereas Vedic, I get down to like like the the building blocks, the gunas, the elements, and it you can build um, a structure and a system of understanding that um, works for everybody's chart for every. Um, transit that's happening in the world it just it relates really well Um, yeah cool so um, yeah two things so first I wanted to talk a little bit about my chart because when Mm -hmm. you told me I was like yes oh my gosh this makes so much more sense um, because I've never felt like a Virgo um, although some people see it in me Um, and then about what's going on currently in the stars so in Western astrology, I am a Virgo sun, a um, Sagittarius rising, and an Aquarius moon. Mm-hmm. So what am I in Vedic astrology? Off yes. the top of your head, you probably know. You will, like remember people's things. I do sometimes. Yeah. I And I honestly can't. Oh, no, I do remember yours. So you are a Scorpio rising within the nakshatra of Anuradha who is the, um, not who, but so Anuradha is a section of Scorpio that is all about devotion and it's ruled by the god um, or goddess Mitra. And Mitra is the ruler of friendship. And I thought when I read that, like it brought tears to my eyes, like for you, because you are truly one of the best friends I have ever had. And I know I'm but really like I you know I have amazing friends I've really like the people in my life I'm so grateful for but I feel like you are like definition of friendship like you're the person that um just you know if like in my life I haven't been you know feeling well you show up and you're just like this uh so thoughtful and and truly just showing up like I don't think uh, and I think that's your superpower because I know it's not just for me too like I know you have people in your life that um you've had in your life forever like you've had friends that go all the way back and they it doesn't matter if your um, current interests and paths aren't exactly aligned like you're still a great friend and um, I also thought it really resonated with you because of the devotional aspect and you are like at the end of the day I see you as like truly devoted to the divine and seeking the truth and really doing what's right and um yeah, so those those are the things that really resonated for me when I read that about your rising Interesting. sign. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Specifically and, within context of Scorpio, which like, you know, hot ticket, like we got sexuality, depths, like sometimes like this darkness. And so that's what comes to mind. So it's really interesting to add this element of the nakshatras, nakshatras and how that adds like a whole different meaning within the context of Scorpio. So another thing too, did you say, was my sun sign then? Oh, it girl, Leo? you're a Leo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was just like you told me. What did you, who else is a Leo that you compared me to? Um, the other, like queen who is absolutely not a Virgo in any way, shape, or form, Ms. Beyonce Knowles Carter <laughs> or Carter Knowles. No wait, Beyonce, Beyonce. Mother Cluck and Beyonce. Um, that's all we need to know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was just like, yeah, I am. Like, <laughs> you are, you are like a, a lioness of your domain. And I think, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about the sun because it's sort of this key in Vedic that 
it's what we know from Western. It's like we know our sun sign, but really in Vedic, um, the more important signs for our our life as humans, having a human experience is the rising sign and the moon sign. And the sun is sort of this thing where it's like, once you really understand your rising and your moon signs, so the rising is like your superpower, your DNA, like the place, like, like how you exist in the world. Um, the moon is like the filter of, you know, you receive it, an input um, and then it is put through the filter of your moon. And so it's sort of like your brain and your feelings and your emotions. It's like how how things feel like when they come in um, and how two people can have the exact same thing happen to them and experience it 100% differently um, and and feel it differently too, right? Like the experience that could be related to your entire birth chart um, and the, the filters and such, but the moon is really those feelings. Like how do you show up and interact in the world um, inputs and outputs wise? The sun over here is like, it's sort of this, um, like, it's like the closer you can get to embodying your son, truly, the closer you are to that divine nature. And so for you, it's like the more you can operate under that lioness, Leo, um, goddess, benevolent ruler, right? Because kings and queens can also be not benevolent rulers. But I think, it, you know, the more you can embody that sort of, uh, that power wielding for the, the good of all, um, the more aligned you're going to feel with your divine nature. Um, but that we can't really get to until we understand like the rising sign and how we sort of operate and then how we think and feel like through the moon sign. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Some like way and like I probably am, this is the watered down or washed down or like I don't really know, but like in my mind, here's my like understanding of the different, um, not signs. What is it? I don't know. Nakshatras? Or no. So like the sun, moon, and oh, rising planets. planets. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, my understanding is that the sun is like how we are perceived or how we can like maybe more ego. Um, and then the rising is like, what we're rising into or embodying in this lifetime. And then the moon is more like subconscious um, aspect of ourself. Is I, that something that like, am I wrong or somewhat right? <laughs> Those are the only two options. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what you described as more of like the Western mm, definition okay. of those. I think with, you know, with Vedic, it's the, the sun is more like the sun is how you, exert power in this mm. lifetime and it's it's your ability to exert power um like authentic power and i don't mean like um like i think sometimes in the west especially we're like mm, power and it's sort of like a divisive term and we're like either you know you're like yeah i love power like mm, it makes me uncomfortable you know especially when other people exert their power um but the the power the sun is um in vedic like our path to unity consciousness it's the path to the soul the paramatman so like the idea that we are all connected and that our power is is knowing that there is no other like you and i are the same so it's really heady like the concept of the sun in vedic it like i i'm not totally sure i understand it you know completely but it is it's very powerful the the moon is 
so it, you know, and it's funny because in the Western, there's so much emphasis on the sun in Vedic, um, you know, there's less, there's less emphasis on the sun because it, you really can't access your, that, um, the levers to control that power and unleash it of the sun, unless you understand your rising and your moon, because the moon is, it's, it is subconscious. I get what you're saying there, but it's, it's more like how I'm talking to you, how you're talking to me, what you're saying, how does that, like, what happens when the words you say hit my brain and, and I internalize them or, um, something outside of me happens, um, anything, you know, any event, like how, what, how do I interpret that? It's like you, you know, it's who you are and how you see the world, um, for better or worse. And the rising sign is like, it's just, it's you. It's like you're how kind of the essence you have, like how you operate in life. Um, and it's more uh, not superficial, but it's what people are interacting with. Well, it is because it is your your body, like your mm. physique, your um, just sort of how, yeah, how you operate really. Interesting. Yeah, I like that uh, clarification. Do you know what my moon is? I do, yeah. <laughs> what is it? When you am I? Are an Aquarius. And, oh, indeed. Um, yes, because so you, you must, you know, it's within that. Tw- so there are 30 degrees within a sign. And so you must be toward, you know, the end of that 30 degrees in Western. And so when we look at your Vedic calculation, it's still within Aquarius. Um, And so you're always um, like looking for the bigger picture for sure. And also um, in the realm of like, how can we apply this to humanity? So when you say like, you know, the teacher complex, like I think that that's a thing, but I think that and I can say this too because our moons are in the exact same nakshatra. And so I, I completely like, I see you, girl. Like, I think that for for you and I, we're just like, okay, I have this information. Like, how how can we help people with it and get, and spread it? Because it's, wow, it's helping me so much. Um, and the other thing with, with your moon and my moon is that um, it's in this nakshatra called Purva Bhadrapada, um, which is, it can be quite intense, but it's uh, one of the symbols is like a lightning bolt. So it's like when you are going through suffering and then you have this on your knees moment of clarity and relief and peace from something. And then you're like, wow, I get it. I get the inner workings of the universe. Like glory be, I have found relief from suffering. And you just want to share that with everybody. But the the thing there is that that's not actually the enlightenment. Like that's that lightning bolt of inspiration isn't the key. The key is like the devotional practice to um, like prayer and meditation and showing up every day to cultivate that um, experience and that relief from the suffering you felt um, into your everyday life. Because that lightning bolt, it's that's not it. You just got a glimpse. You got like a little. Um, Sure. And so, uh, you know, sometimes a tendency it can be like, oh, I found it. I'm I'm good. Like, write me a check, cash it. Cool. Um, but really, it's like that's where the journey you know begins. <laughs> oh, my God. I resonate with that so much, like in two ways, both like, you know, the cash, the check, whatever. And it's like sometimes I'm just like, OK, I did my work. Goodbye. I'm done. I'm good for life now. Um, <laughs> I see that within myself for sure. And then I also see this element of like, well, the practice is the reward. 
-hmm. like the practice that gets you to those lightning bolt moments. That's what it's about more than it is the light show that happens. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so funny that you said that too, because I just did like a meditation and I was like, oh, and then I like to the ohm and the brahmanadi and I saw lightning bolts all in my eyes, you know, and you're like, <laughs> lightning bolts, <laughs> lightning <too>. bolts. <laughs> like Zeus himself was coming out of my body. Um, anyway, <laughs> so it's like, Ooh, that's it. I'm good for meditation forever now. Like, right. Like, okay. Check, check. Done. Done. Um, I'm enlightened. I'm Thanks. Here. Bye yeah. everybody. This is the last you'll hear of me. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yes. Oh that my gosh. The tea. So, okay, last thing I want to talk about is, um, you know, a lot, uh, we hear a lot about what's going on in the stars right now in Western astrology, uh, Mm -hmm. but it is different in Vedic. So what is going on um, right now and how can we maybe like utilize what's going on to have like a a space of inner reflection? such a good question and it's so like I could literally talk about this for days um and (laughs) I so what's the like uh so what what is the sign we're in to start there right now currently well all of the planets are in um you know they're they're all transiting they're in transit and so they're in different signs so like again today the moon the moon transits the quickest and so Mm -hmm. every day pretty much it's in a different nakshatra every couple of days it switches uh signs um right now it's in the sign of libra um but overall we are going through some really powerful shifts um as a collective and that um one of the biggest things that just happened this month in vedic um and in the, the literal sky, um, is that Saturn moved from the sign of Sagittarius to the sign of Capricorn. And Saturn is a slow-moving planet. Um, I guess that's another difference between Western Vedic is that in in Vedic, we just look at the five planets um, that are closest to us. So like um, we do not look at Neptune, Pluto, Uranus because the ancient rishis like they couldn't see, they didn't have the, they didn't exist. Like, you know, we, they could only see what the technology had in front of them. And that was those five planets. And, um, and I, I personally, I'm curious to learn more about the outer planets and, but, um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so Saturn is, the, it's the slowest moving planet, um, of, of the Ved- the planets we study in Vedic astrology. And so it takes about 2.5 years for it to get through a sign, um, so it's been hanging out in Sagittarius for two and a half years. Before that, it was in Scorpio. Before that, it was in Libra. And it's finally coming back to, and so that's like a decade right there, those, you know, those <laughs> that those three houses. Um, and so over the last decade, it's been sort of coming home back to Capricorn and then Aquarius because Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn. It's also the ruler of Aquarius, the next place it'll go in two and a half years. Um, and so wherever, which which is, big because Saturn is also the planet of um, discipline, um, work, effort, it really like the consequences um, of our decisions. Um, it can it can feel really heavy. And so when it's transiting around the system, um, this is where we really feel like the karma's uh, well, I, I don't want to say that actually, but it, it is a, it is a heavy planet um, in terms of 
feeling good. Like it usually brings things that we absolutely need, but might not feel amazing. Um, but then after we're done with that growth, like for you and I, we're like, yeah, that was great. Even though at the time it was like not that great. Um, <laughs> it was kind of painful. Um, and so for it to move from Sagittarius where it was, you know, this cool, dry, airy planet in Sagittarius, which is ruled by Jupiter, you know, Sagittarius is a fire sign. There's a lot of water happening in Jupiter. It's like totally opposite from this like Saturn energy. Um, that was a lot, like it brought a lot to the surface that, um, was sort of festering in us and, and may have come up in Scorpio. And then in Sagittarius, we were able to, um, like it was big. Like we were like, well, all of this junk that happened in, in Scorpio now in Sagittarius, we're going to sort of blow it up and, um, and re-aim the arrow, so to speak. And so now Saturn in Capricorn, it's like, well, all of that inspiration, um, that we, we found in Sagittarius, how, what are we going to do now to put our money where our mouth is and like bunker down and get something done and like commit to that. And so, it really depends where Saturn is, or sorry, where um, Capricorn is in your birth chart for how that's going to manifest for you in your life. And so, but in general, um, that movement that that happened a couple weeks ago is bringing a lot up for people. And so um, that's one thing. <laughs> um, and the other thing that is happening that everybody's talking about is like the and I say this with a, because I don't, it's really heavy. Like it's really heavy. There's a lot going on. Um, the, the stars right now are, are aligned um, to an extent very similarly to how they were um, during, you know, the September 11th attacks. And so the nodes, the which we didn't even talk about, um, the north and the south node are back to um, – Gemini and Sagittarius respectively and Mars is coming up on this south node here pretty quickly um which can be sort of like you know an explosive like past life karma's coming back for you type energy um and I don't know how much I want to go into that but it's it's an opportunity to for everybody and depending on when you release this episode it might have already happened but we'll still be living with the consequences of um, of that conjunction and the choices that we make during that conjunction. And so that Mars K2 energy is just really hot. It's really fiery. Um, K2 is sort of like a smoky, like um, smoky, hot energy, um, sort of like crusty, <laughs> I feel too. And then Mars is like, you know, hot action. Like um, K2 is it can be explosive too. Um, and those two together like we just need to be careful about the the impulses that we have and the actions um, that we take from those impulses and so if any time in in this year it's going to be a really good time to slow down um hydrate <laughs> like stay cool ground um it's hard to do this right now in wisconsin because the ground is frozen but you know to get outside and feel dirt and um, maybe take a bath. <laughs> like those are some things that might help on the individual level. But but again, this really depends on where these energies are happening in your chart um, for the individual. So can you just briefly talk about Libra, which is the sign that we're in right now? Just a couple like oh, keywords. Yeah. Um, so 
Yes. And so again, like by, I think by, you know, by the time you release this episode, probably the moon will have transited away from, from Libra, but I, I'm a Libra rising, you know, in Vedic and I, it's near and dear to my heart. Um, and also, you know, has to be <laughs> to, to really rein that energy. in. so Libra is, um, it's ruled by Venus. And so there's a lot of appreciation uh, within the sign for human relationship, um, as well as aesthetic uh, beauty and things. Um, it's a it's the sign that wants to harmonize everything. And so it's all about, you know, weighing out what you're giving in relationships versus what you're getting in relationships. Um, it is, you know, if we're looking at the gunas, it's a rajasic sign. And so it's very much about that exchange of energies and ideas and creating and putting things out and getting things back. And, um, uh, and, and it can be, you know, high energy. And it's, it is also, you know, directly across from Aries, like the, the, what we, you know, in the Zodiac Aries is the first sign, um, Libra is the seventh. And so you get a lot of information about a sign by what's directly across from it. And so if you think of Aries, it's like, it's very individualistic. It's very fiery, impulsive. Um, and Libra is more like, I'm just going to think about this, weigh out all my options, like maybe, you know, create something beautiful while I'm thinking about it and um, still think a little more and consult everyone I know and then come back to you with a decision <laughs> after the decision is um, like worth deciding upon <laughs> and then deal with those consequences. So uh, that that is uh, the Libra vibes. And it's great for things like this, like marketing, mm -hmm. because it's very like dispersive energy. Um, specifically today, we were in the Nakshatra Svati and Svati is, you know, one of the nakshatras within Libra, um, a specific one that is symbolized by like when a dandelion is done with its life and you blow on it and it disperses everywhere. Like mm -hmm. that's the symbol, that's one of the symbols for Svati. And so it's a great day for marketing communications when you want knowledge to go, you know, like that dandelion mm -hmm. does. Cool. And where, where are we headed next so if I release this in a week, what sign will we be in? Um, in a, um, or where is it headed next? Well, the you know the moon will after Libra head right into Scorpio, Sagittarius, okay. Capricorn, like kind of move through that. Um, and that's another great thing about astrology is it can help you decide. Um, it's called the Muhart, Muharta, Muharta. I'm probably saying that wrong, but. Um, which essentially means like, when is the best time to do this thing? And all of the days that, you know, as they relate to the nakshatras and the moon transiting them um, are the best for something, you know, and well, Svati might be a great day for marketing, um, like Uttara Falguni back in Virgo a couple of days ago would, was great for doing taxes and like organizing things. It's in Virgo. Um, which I did. Uh, same, yeah. same, same. You were feeling it. <laughs> I saw your post dancing with your cat, and I was like, I'm doing my taxes today. Yes. Yeah, yes. funny. So just because, and just because, you know, the day might be good for that, like, it doesn't mean it makes it any easier if your makeup isn't, um, isn't really helping you or mm -hmm. optimized for, you know, organizational capacity, mm -hmm. um, speaking from my personal experience. Um but where I wanted to say one more thing about the divine timing, the Muartas. Um, 
but I can't remember. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good like segue too of like ways that people can work with Vedic astrology um, and work with you to maybe like learn um, planning out um, maybe like in my mind, I see like, oh, it'd be so great to plan out my month of work um, according to the Muertas or however you say it. I don't know. Um, and working with you on that and kind of like how um, what's going on collectively um is influenced by my personal chart. So how can people get a hold of you or find you um, to maybe set up um, a consultation, a session with you to kind of better understand um, how their chart is um, affecting them and to kind of better understand themselves according to Vedic and how they could maybe utilize these services for business? Yes. So a quick note on working with an astrologer, you know, it's, um, you know, Lao Tzu, he, mm-hmm. uh, the, he wrote the Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually uh, in a, a court astrologer in China. And so if to the, the nobility there, um, and maybe even the king. So I think that, like, I just read that the other day and that was really resonant with how I see astrology benefiting us as as mortals on this earth (laughs) is to is to um think of it like when you're working with an astrologer think of it as and this is approach i take too is like how you know coming to it with a way uh, with a curiosity about how to optimize your life for what you're supposed to get done in this lifetime and i think you know the people i really like working with um and and sort of unpacking their charts are people that know that they're here for something other than, you know, getting laid and getting paid, which are like the two <laughs> biggest questions for people. They're like, when am I going to get that check? Like, when am I going to fall in love? Um, and it's more <laughs> like the bigger picture things, you know, about am I on the right path? Um, and how do I work through these things that keep coming up for me that I'm, um, that this, this situation that I know I've seen over and over again that I want to work through, um, in a more creative way this time around. Um, those that that would be my recommendation for how to approach astrology. And certainly you can find astrologers who are all about the predictions. And um, in if that resonates with you, definitely do that. And the the thing about finding an astrologer to work with is that they are like therapists, you know, like not every therapist is going to um, is going to mesh with you. Like it's your I know so many people who have had terrible experiences in therapy. Um, because they weren't a good match to their therapist. And then they sort of just like gave up and they, they're like, no, therapy is not for me. Um, I highly recommend having, by the way, a therapist and an astrologer if you can, um, <laughs> if you can finagle that somehow. Um, but uh, if, if you want to get a hold of me, I can, you know, we can see if we're a good match to start, you know, to take a look at your birth chart or I can also help you find um, a qualified Vedic astrologer to look at your chart, um, you know, and sort of in, in that matchmaking capacity. Um, I, like I've said, I've really, really researched the field um, in the United States. Like I have a pretty good understanding of what's out there. Um, not a full understanding, but a pretty good one. And so if you are interested in working with an astrologer, uh, I'm happy to help you on that path. Um, if not, look at your chart if you think that that our energy um, would be a good match. 
Awesome. So then we'll have in the show notes um, links to access you, whether website or email. So we'll have that linked in the show notes afterwards. I swear we could talk about this for two more hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are really, we just scratched the surface in a lot of the content that there is to know and understand and current energies at play. But thank you very much for taking the time to share this with us. And I look forward to having you on again someday thank you so much michelle it's been so fun talking to you and and yeah let's let's keep i know we'll keep the conversation going on or off the air but thank you yes thank you Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Blistonic Podcast. If you love hearing these new voices and guests, please let me know. Reach out to me, write a little review on Apple Podcasts, or click the five-star rating. All of this helps to get the word out about this podcast and about these amazing guests that I get to interview. So if you want to hear more of this let me know a huge thank you kyle piper i wish i had like the buzz horn i can think i can program it but buzz horn kyle piper thank you so much for editing (laughs) just do that myself um you know you know the drill you're awesome thank you And then if you would like to reach Missy from this episode, you can reach her at her website, astromissy.com. How cool is it that she got that uh, domain? It's A-S-T-R-O-M-I-S-S-Y.com. That will be in the show notes. It's 108. Look at that. (laughs) Destruction. Um, So reach out to her. Get yourself a reading. I know I'm booking a full Vedic reading with her. She does long sessions like 90 minute sessions so she can go deep with you and not just kind of skim the surface and give you the basic information she is really good about going deep and weaving in philosophy and coaching as well as that is in her background so reach out to her book your session and let's keep exploring i think we really could have her on again to go into another layer of vedic astrology what do you think Well, thank you again for listening and let's chat next week-ish. See ya.